listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we're dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you're listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Pastor you for a couple minutes, and then I'm going to apostle you for a couple minutes. Pastor deals with hearts, apostle deals with mission. So um, I just had some things come on my heart the last couple of days. You have to excuse me, the devil tried to kill me in the middle of the night, and that is not an exaggeration. <laughs> and But praise God, God's bigger and greater and stronger. Manifestation, not as quick as I wanted, but quick enough to go back to sleep and at least get six hours. Hallelujah. And don't be freaky, it's not COVID. Hallelujah. It was food poisoning. So, But praise God, I'm here. Amen. <clears throat> and we live in a, I just want to just share my heart with you about a couple of things. I'm going to do it briefly. We live in a world right now that is driven by fear, driven by information, some right, some wrong. And we have to make sure that we don't fall prey to the enemy bringing distraction to us through those things. And I'll just, for the record, I'm all for wisdom. That's fine. You do what's right for you and your family. I support that. I honor that. But you can be in wisdom and not be in fear at the same time. Don't let the enemy drag you into fear because fear is an issue really inside of you that will hinder you from not only doing what the Lord wants you to do, but just from enjoying life. So praise God, we're going to live above fear. We're going to live above the lies of the enemy and all of the things that are surrounding us right now. Uh, I just believe that this is, a, this is a bubble that we've created here to where when we come in, all the other stuff gets shut out, even just if it's just for a moment to where we can focus on Jesus. And when the worship team and I were uh, praying before the service and I just took note at the fact that the whole world seems like is falling apart around us, but yet we can come in here, and we have an opportunity to come in here and love on Jesus. And frankly, and I don't mean this in an in a uncaring way, but it really doesn't matter what happens out there. What matters is that we've got a connection with Jesus, and we can worship him no matter what. Even if they threw us all in jail, we could still praise God. As a matter of fact, the worse it gets, the more we'll praise him, the higher we'll praise him, the more intense we'll be in our heart about it. And the things, even to the point that the things that would bind us, like chocks, chocks, stocks and chains, chocks is a mix of stocks and chains, even like chocks, that we could literally physically be in, it won't stop us from praising God because that's the kind of people we are. We're faith people. We're people of faith. We're people that believe God no matter what. We don't live below. We live above. And that's a choice that we make. It's a position that we're in, but then it's a choice that we make that we don't allow the enemy to grab hold of us and destroy us. I want to honor you for a moment and tell you something, that you are so far... Well, I don't want to say it like that. You might get a big head. Um, you are more awesome as not just congregants, that's not the right word, but as family, as people that are a part of what God's doing here than, than what you even know. You're special, and I honor you highly. I've had the opportunity to meet with different pastors, and I know, I know so many leaders 
just from going to conferences and things, and I follow some of them on Facebook, and, and I talk to some of them personally, and then I even meet with some here in this town. And I heard a statistic, and I wish I could remember the number. I think it was something around 20,000 churches are expected to close because of the effects of COVID-19. And, and it's, not, it's not that it's killing the people off. It's that the fear is killing the people off. People have, unfortunately, when the churches closed, they left and many did not come back. And there's different reasons for that. Some still feel it necessary for them to stay home and that's their business. But for many, they just got taken out by the enemy. They got out of the routine of meeting together with God's people. And so they, they literally haven't come back. And in most cases, um, it's anywhere from like, most churches are anywhere from like 30 to 60% of the people are back. We're probably at about 80%, 80, somewhere between 80 and 90% of you guys are back. We're way above, we're going to talk about curve, we're way above and in front of the curve, and I honor you for that. It tells me that you value what the Lord is doing here more than you value staying at home. Because the truth is, is it's not COVID, it's not coronavirus that's keeping people at, at home. It's that they've got busy doing other things. And I was listening to this pastor of a, of a huge church. I don't even remember where it was, but he, his auditorium seats like 1,200 people, and they're running like 300 people. And he said the thing that was so disheartening is that so many of the people, they're not staying at home trying to protect themselves. They're out on their boat. They're doing all kinds of other things that they normally wouldn't be doing, that they're there. They're normally there in the house of God with the saints of God worshiping him, and instead they've just decided to go other places. And and, I, and I'm not saying that from a condemning standpoint. I'm saying that from a reality. That's what's happening, but you guys haven't done that, and I honor, you for, I honor you for that. I honor your commitment to the Lord. I honor your commitment to this family. You know, and I, I, my heart hurts for those pastors, and there's plenty of pastors that maybe aren't good, but there's a lot of them that are. And it would just, the best picture I could give you is that if you took all of your life savings and you went and started a, a, the business of your dreams and opened up a storefront and you invested all of your money and then nobody showed up to support your business, can you imagine how disheartening that would be? That's really what pastors go through when they see, see people just fall away and fade away. It's not always about, for some people, it's about having the seats filled, but for some pastors, it's they genuinely care about people. They genuinely care about what's going on in their life. And to see people just, just fade away is one of the most disheartening things that, that I've had to go through personally. There's not anything more. Maybe losing my mom is the only thing that I've gone through that's been more troubling to my soul than watching people go out and then decide not to come back, back in for various reasons. You know, the, sh the shepherd... It says in Psalm 23, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And when you look at the, what that was talking about, when you had a shepherd's staff, on one end of it had a, had a, it was crooked, right? It had a hook on it. And the other end was more like a rod. And I've heard some people say, well, one of them's for pulling the sheep in, the other one's for beating them. And I don't, I don't ascribe to that. It can be a loving tap of, hey, let's be careful not to get out of line. And then the other end is, hey, let, let me pull you back in. And this is me being very loving to say, be careful that you don't get sucked out of what God's doing. What else is more important? 
There isn't anything more important than the kingdom of God. Oh, I really have my favorite preacher on TV that I like to watch on Sunday mornings anyways, which I know you're talking about me since we're going live stream now. I, I know that's what you're saying. But if people say that kind of stuff, they do that kind of stuff, and they leave their family. Paul said, if he was indeed the writer of Hebrews, he said, as you see the day approaching, he said, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, and so much more as you see the day approaching. And we're seeing some people scatter when they actually need to be brought closer together. We need to be pulled together. Are we perfect? Heck no. Do we have problems? Heck yes. But we're family. God's called us together as family to do this thing. And I just think I would, I would rather put up with some junk from people and still be with them than to go out and not be with them. You know, it's funny when, when people, they'll get, and, and I just want to hit on something here and I want to be really careful, I'll be really nice. But when I see people get offended and then they leave, I want to tell them, you've offended me a bunch and I didn't leave. And that's one of the things that we're seeing happen nowadays. And I heard this minister that I was listening to who had this huge church. I'd never heard him before. And just recently, I was listening to him. And he was saying that he's never lived in a time or can never remember a time where people were so offended. That they were so easily moved and hurt by things going on to where they would leave the very people that God called them to. And this is the whole thing about a, about a family is the family is covenant. And when you're talking about covenant, you're talking about something. If you're really a covenant-minded person, nothing would come in your way. Liz and I are, are here, come hell or high water, or a rough night. Liz and I are here. We would never leave you. Never. I've been tempted to over the want to be tempted to want to a few times over the years, if I can say it right. There's been times when it's like, oh my gosh, everything's coming at me. But my heart, this is the God's to honest truth. My heart for the Lord first and foremost, and secondly for you all, would never let me just walk away. I look at walking away from you like I would look at walking away from my own kids. You don't have to understand that, but I'm asking you to appreciate it. But if you could imagine being one that would just walk away from your family and not see them anymore, that's a disheartening thought. That's exactly the, the emotions that would run through me at the idea of just walking away from the people that God's called me to. You're mine and I'm yours. We're stuck with each other. Thank you. And I'm not even saying it for that. I appreciate that, but I'm not saying it for that. I'm just sharing my heart with you. And I'm telling you the time that we're living in, we need to draw closer, to, closer together and not further apart. We have to insulate ourselves from the lies of the enemy that would tell us that it's okay to depart. It's okay to go out. I'm not a controlling person. I don't, I don't control people. I, don't, I can barely control myself. Why would I want to try to control other people? This isn't about me gathering you in so that, so that you could just do what I want. You know, there's, there's ministers that do that. I don't, that's not my heart. My heart is, is that there is blessing here. There is favor here. It, sometime I'll probably have a, a testimony time of people that have a testimony of locking arms with me and locking arms with this church and how God has brought favor into their life because they simply position themselves with the people that God said to position themselves with. 
It's not about feelings. We walk by faith and not by sight. That, that is even talking about with people. Sometimes when you're walking with people, I've had to do this with them and they've had to do this with me to where they'll say, God, you called me to that man. And I'm saying, God, you called me to these people. And I don't really feel like being with them, but I know what you said and I'm going to do it by faith anyways. That speaks louder than just dealing with some stupid stuff. Everybody's got stupid stuff that they deal with. As a matter of fact, if you can persevere to work through problems and issues with people, you will persevere, you'll walk in love, you'll, you'll uh, do whatever is necessary to prioritize that person as extremely important in your life, and they can do the same. You can get over that, and you'll be better off on the other side of it. Because a, mar- a, a family is similar to a marriage. A church is like a marriage to where it's covenant and you work through things. Now, there are differences because there are, and actually, I don't even agree with that now that I'm, I was getting ready to say that. I was going to say there are differences in the sense that you send people out. But even when people are sent, you know, we've got some at, at, uh, at CBC going to Bible college. We've got some in, in other places that we literally have sent. We've blessed them and they're going. And you know that they still call this their home church. Why? Because there's something that happened in the spirit. There was something that God did with us that, was, that it, it was a uniting thing. It was a binding thing. And had to, had to work through things in order to keep that and hold on to it. But people are worth holding on to. People are worth being attached to. People are worth being in covenant with. You are somebody who's worth being in covenant with. You may not be very good at being in covenant, but that doesn't mean you're not worth being in covenant. God loves you. He honors you. And you know what? I love you and I honor you. Amen. Man, this is really good. I just felt impressed to share my heart with this. You know what it says over in Mark chapter 4? Let me show you this. In Mark chapter 4. You say, why are you sharing, why are you sharing this? Because... This is what's happening in the day we live in. There are people, and I'm going to be so bold. If you happen to be watching on live stream and you are offended at whatever church that you have been a part of, get over yourself, get over your feelings, value the people that God has called you to, and go back to the place that God has called you to. And in Jesus' name, just get over yourself. In Mark chapter 4 and verse 17, it's breaking and he's talking about the parable of the sower. And it says, and they have no root in themselves. This is the third type of ground. So remember the seed was planted, which is the word. And then this is a particular type of ground. They have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. They endure only, only for a time. Not for all time, only for a time. I'm in this thing for all time. I'm with you for all time. I'm committed to you for all time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, for what? What does it say? For the word's sake, immediately they stumble, or the the, uh, King James says that they are offended. Offense comes between people Not because it has anything to do with you and the people. It has everything to do with stopping the word from working in your life. I don't care how many videos you watch. 
how many worship sessions you watch on YouTube, and we partake of all that. We love drawing from other ministries and things. I certainly am not knocking that. We, we partake of that. But I don't care how much of that you do. You cannot replace physical people coming together to love on each other, to meet with each other, to share in the word, to share in worship together. You can't, it doesn't do it justice. Who in here has watched our service live stream at some point during all of this? Let me ask you, was it better there or is it better when you're here in person? It's better here. Why? Because there's something tangible that's inside of the saints. There's something tangible and real that's inside of God's people that no matter how great the technology is, you can never get the same thing through technology that you can get face to face, eyeball to eyeball. You know, our eyes are the window to the soul. And there's something special about when you can look into somebody and you can see Jesus on the inside of them and they can see Jesus on the inside of you. There's something that there's, there's not anything else in the world that can replace that. We have to value that because you know what? The rest of the world isn't valuing it. I've been really good and I've been really careful about not going beyond where most people, uh, where most people are willing to go. But I'm gonna, tell you, I'm gonna tell you this because I think most people, I said this from the very beginning and I think most people would agree with me now and you're gonna see that this is right. Everything that's going on, I'm not saying that coronavirus is not real. Do not misunderstand me and if, don't misunderstand me. But I am saying it's being politicized and it's being used. And partly it's being used to try to shut the church down. If you don't believe that, you need to open your eyes. It's happening. I'm not against you. If you felt like you need to take precautions, that is fine. It's no problem. I honor you in that. It's no problem. But understand that the government weaponizes things that are happening to use oftentimes for their gain, and they don't even understand it, but they want to shut the church down. I'm going to be so bold to tell you something that I've been wanting to say, and I just haven't had peace about saying it, but I'm going to say it now. This church will not close its doors again. We're not closing again. Because when it comes down to it, I'm not responsible to the government. I'm responsible to God. And when the word says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, I take that serious. And you might say, well, Pastor Kent, what if there's a second wave? Well, you know what? I'm not even so certain that the first wave was all of what they really said it was. We got all these reports coming out from people, very grounded, very rooted, very uh, Christian people that are saying the numbers are skewed. So first wave, second wave, that's between you and your God. That's between you and him and your family and what you feel like is right. I'm just telling you, I'm not closing the doors again. I would have to have a word from God to say, you need to do this. And I believe that the Lord told me when it, all of it first came about that I needed to do it. And the reason that I was supposed to do it was to honor our mayor. I heard it. I was in prayer one day and... I was with Ron and we were praying about this whole thing. And I just kept, we were in the prayer room. I, I just kept getting, being drawn to, um, to our mayor. And I just heard the Lord. I'm like, Lord, why am I being drawn to him right now? And I just, I just heard the Lord say, honor. You need, you need to honor him. And we have done that. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy we did that. But there comes a point that if they continue, and I thank God, we've got great, some great 
leadership in our community. I'm, I'm watching them and seeing that they're doing some things that are, that are really good and not doing some things that other people are doing that are really bad. And I'm thankful for them. I honor them. I attribute that to, to the Lord working through us and through us praying for them, that wisdom is coming to them, that enlightenment is coming to them. I really believe that. We're here and touching and reaching them in more ways probably than what we realize. We're a city set on a hill. And sometimes when people just see light, it just causes them to see right. They just see. I mean, they just see us and they don't even understand what's coming from here. They just think we're some hole in the wall church in the middle of, you know, uh, the ugliest facility in the whole town. <laughs> and by part, in part, I would agree with them as far as the outside. But once you come inside, the glory's here. And when you got people filled with the glory of God that walk out, there's something that happens to an entire community. They get illuminated. And I believe that we've got people that are, being, that are being illuminated just because we're here. We're salt and we're light. We bring light and we preserve people. We preserve things. We preserve government institutions. We preserve schools. We preserve anything that we will touch. Any place that we will step into, God will use us to bring blessing into that area. Amen? So I just, we've stayed in honor and we're going to continue to stay in honor but we're going to do what God's telling us to do. And I felt really firm about that in my heart. And so what we do is we stay in submission, but we always remain obedient to God. So when God says, shut the doors, it's the right thing to do, then you shut the doors. But when God says, don't shut the doors, then you don't shut the doors. Obedience and submission are two different things. Obedience is about following actions. It's about what you're doing. Submission is an issue of the heart. And for anybody that has kids, you know what this looks like. It's like, go clean your room. <sighs> they go clean their room, but they were standing up on the inside. They were not submitted on the inside. So what we're going to do is we're going to have submitted hearts to our governing authorities, to anybody around us. We're going to be submitted to them in love, but we have to make sure that we draw a line properly to where ultimately we're like the early church that says, look, we hear what you're saying to not preach in the name of Jesus, but whether to obey God or to obey you, we have no choice but to obey God. Now, their hearts weren't unsubmitted to them. They were honoring to them, but they chose to obey God. And that's what we are going to do. Amen. And when we stay in honor, we'll gain great favor with everybody around us. We'll gain great favor with people that need to be reached and touched. Hallelujah. So I'm going to share with you for a few more minutes about, um, about getting into what I've been talking about, and I've really been trying to teach this for weeks now, and, and I just can only get out what I can get out. But just talking about persecution and the realities of the day that we're living in and possibly the days that we have coming up. And it's really important to understand the things that are coming against us. And it's really important to understand how we are supposed to respond to the things that come against us. And remember this, just like what Paul said, he said, uh, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. That's true for people outside of the church, and that's true for people inside the church. You got to quarrel with somebody. It's, it's your quarrels, not with them. It's with the enemy. I mean, you might have to work some things out. I'm not saying that, but honestly, the one who's behind all of the division is Satan. You know what die means in the Greek? It means two. We're supposed to be of one heart, of one mind, 
because we have one Lord. We've been baptized into his spirit. We're supposed to be singular in vision. doesn't mean we don't have different attributes and different giftings and different understandings about things, but we should be lined up with one another. A house divided against itself will not stand. If America doesn't figure out how to, how to become united, she will fall. And as far as any church, any local church, the universal church, if we can't figure out how to be united, then we will fall. A house divided against itself, a house that has two different visions, it will not stand. So we have to be totally aware of how the enemy would come in and try and rob and cheat and steal from us concerning relationships inside the house and outside the house. It's really important we understand that. So I'll say with either one, probably more so with the ones from outside, it's important that we understand concerning persecution. It's important that we understand how we respond to this. And this could sound like an overstated message, but this is what I've been drawn to to minister. So the Lord knows what's going to happen in the days to come. And I believe that our response to people puts us, when it's proper and in line with the word, it puts us in the favor of God and will cause things to work in our life. No matter how evil it gets, no matter how dark it gets, we have God on our side. And when we walk in line with him, things are going to work out really, really well for us. So when it comes to people that are, are persecuting us, and you know, Jesus said, he said that they, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All you have to do is just desire to live godly and you're going to suffer persecution. That persecution could just come in the form of the enemy bringing thoughts to you, which, by the way, we have authority over that kind of persecution. I said something before, and I need to qualify the statement that we don't have authority over persecution. And that is true when it comes in terms of people and what they're doing, because we, we don't have control over people. But when it comes to the enemy and him persecuting us, if you want to call it that way, by bombarding us with thoughts and problems and issues or whatever, we do have authority over that. But I think it's fair to say that whether you're talking about a direct attack from the enemy or problems with people in or problems with people out, the enemy is behind all of it because he wants to bring destruction. He's out to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He wants to destroy the church of God if we will let him, which we won't, amen. Um, and so since he's, he's out to do that, we need to be aware of how he works and that every form of persecution that's coming ultimately goes back to he is the problem. And if you can see that, we can separate the people from the principality. We can separate the, the ones that Jesus died for to the ones that ha don't have a renewed mind and don't know how to cooperate with us properly. We have to be able to separate those things out. And how we respond to those people is extremely important. And this is a complicated issue that I don't have time to get into, but let me just make mention of something. And usually I get into it even after I make mention of it, but I'm going to do my best not to. But people will take things like Romans chapter 13, where it talks about being in submission to governing authorities. Here's the thing you have to understand in the United States right now, law is the constitution. That is the law that is established for you and I to live by. So when we have tyrannical people that stand up and say, you have to do this, and you have to do this. You can't sing in church. Folks, that is tyrannical. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Thank God for being in Missouri right now. Hallelujah. But that's craziness. We have a, we have a right, and we can still be biblically in order to say, we are not doing that. Why? Because governors 
mayors, sheriffs, all those people, they work for us. In our country, they work for us. We do not work for them. They do not own us. The Constitution is what governs us. And when they have things that come in that infringe upon our constitutional rights, as a free citizen in this nation, you have the right to say, thank you, but no thank you, because my Constitution protects My constitution protects me. When they tell you you don't have a right to speak, you can say, wait a second, the First Amendment says that I have the right of free speech. When they say that you need to hand in your guns, you could say, well, I don't want to get into that because that could be bloody. But anyways, (laughs) no, we will not hand in our guns. We have a constitutional right to have and to keep and to bear. Amen. And so you're not going against the government when you're doing those things, so long as you're lined up with the Constitution, because the Constitution is our government. Just because somebody comes in and says that you have to follow this doesn't mean that you necessarily have to follow it. As, as a matter of fact, as an American, it means you necessarily don't have to follow it if they're violating your constitution, constitutional rights. If we were living in another country and there was a king that was ruling over you, then the story would be different. You would have to do what the king says in order to be in line with biblical principles. But it's not right for us to take Romans chapter 13 and say, well, if we were in California, for example, Governor Newsom says that we can't sing in church. Those pastors need to stand up and say, no, sir, Governor Newsom, the Constitution is higher than what you are. We will sing in church. Amen. That's how you look at that. That's the proper perspective to have on those things. But regardless of what's coming at us, we need to make sure our heart remains in the right position. And when we get pressed on, the natural response is to be natural. The normal response is to be natural like the rest of the world. But we're not of the rest of the world. We're not of that substance. We've come out from among them. And we've been separated to be a peculiar people that operate in peculiar ways in terms of how the world would look at us. And even though the rest of the world might do things a certain way when they get pressed on, we stay in love. We stay out of the flesh and we stay in love. And when we get persecuted, our flesh says three things. And then I'm going to give you three responses. Our flesh says to hate. Our, our flesh says to look at the problem. And our flesh says to quit. So our flesh says to hate. It says to look at the problem. And it says to quit. But the Spirit of God would tell us to love and not hate. And this is what the word says. I'm going to come back and touch on each of these. It says to love and to not hate. It says to keep a heavenly perspective and not look at the problem. Look at heaven and not look at the problem. And the third thing is the flesh says to quit, but the word says, and the spirit of God says to endure all the way until the very end. And there is a There's almost like a mounting up in the spirit to where we need to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We need to say, I'm in this thing and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to go all the way into the very end. But I'm going to go down the list and hit these very briefly and touch on these because they're all very important. So we need to respond basically by moving in an opposite spirit to these things that would come up. Because again, the flesh would say to hate, the flesh would say to look at the problem, and the flesh would say to to, to quit. Has anyone ever... Uh, felt led to have hate come from you when someone shows you hate. Have you ever felt like you wanted to do that? That's the flesh. That's not the spirit talking. Amen. And we all understand that. Has anyone ever, when you get pressed on, has anyone ever felt like you just 
wanted to zero in on the problem, or maybe you did zero in on the problem instead of keeping a heavenly perspective, that's the flesh, that's not the spirit. Has anyone ever felt when they get pressed on that they just wanted to quit and give up and throw in the towel? That is the flesh, that is not the spirit. So the very first thing we're supposed to do when, we're, when we want to hate, when we want to lash out, when we want to come back is we need to walk in love. I've got some scripture verses here. I think we can pull them up there quickly. I'm going to go through them very quickly. Romans chapter 12 and verse 14. It says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. That's a very simple thing that we can take and just look at. In other words, when we're blessing people, we're loving them, we're giving to them, we're doing things for them. These are, these are tools that I'm giving you that you just need to, you need to stick in your, your hat, you need to stick in your tool belt, because you're going to have times in the near future, and as the days potentially grow darker in the world, we're going to need to take these tools out and, and operate and know how to operate them in them even better. By the way, it's really good to practice inside the church with these things. So when you get pressed on from someone inside, not just outside, but inside, because remember, the ultimate giver of, of the persecution is the enemy. Any way he can find to come against us in any form or fashion, he's always behind that. So if we can learn to operate in an opposite spirit of what he's trying to get us to operate in, it will dismantle the things that would be coming against us. So when people don't walk in love towards you, then you walk in love towards them. You bless them anyways. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, this basically says the same thing, but it's worth reading here. It says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I am not going to go into uh, some of my horror stories, but I have had times where people have pressed on me in ministry, specifically in different places than here in Perryville, but they have uh, spitefully used me. I've, had, I've been in meetings with people where I thought things were good, and they come out and they just told bold-faced lies about me. You know what I wanted to do? I just wanted to kiss them on the cheek. No. I wanted to give them a Judas kind of kiss on the cheek is what I really wanted to do. You know what's coming. That's what my flesh wanted. But I chose to say, you know what, I'm going to love you anyways, even though you don't deserve it. Because the truth is, people, let me say it this way, Jesus loved us and loves us, and we do not deserve it. So when we're caught up in fleshly troubles and problems, and we respond in the flesh, essentially what we're doing is we're removing ourselves from our, from our position of royalty and how royalty responds to like all of the beggars. Because you understand that Jesus was and is royalty. And now we are seated with him in heavenly places. That means that the same blessing Jesus has, we also have because we are joint heirs. But it also means the same responsibility that Jesus has, we also have. He said, let this mind, this is in Philippians chapter four, I believe. He said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he said, he didn't count it robbery. He didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God. So the first thing he says, let this mind be in you. You need to consider yourself equal with God. 
Now, let me say that no one is really equal with God. But it's talking about you knowing your position you have in Christ Jesus. That you are seated with him. You can go look at the word yourself. You are seated with him in heavenly places. That means all of the blessing and favor that came from God to the Son has all been given to you. But like I said, the responsibility has also been given to you. Because then it goes on down after that. It says, let this mind be in you, which also is in Christ Jesus, who didn't consider, it rob- didn't consider robbery to be equal with God. But also he made himself of no reputation. And he came in the form of man. He lowered himself. Here you have the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of everything that we know to be in existence. Lowered himself. And listen, he allowed the people to spit on him, to mock him, to persecute him. And they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. He could have given up his spirit way before he allowed all those things to come upon him. But there were things that he had to go through. He chose to do it. The creation came and allowed the, the creator came and allowed the creation to do things to him that he never had to do. He chose to do it. And he says, let this mind be in you also, which was in Christ Jesus. My God. That, what that means is that if we take up our royal identity in Christ, we do not carry any right to be mad, hurt, offended, anything at any person at any time. You know, the, the greatest person that I know personally on this earth uh, that walks in love is Pastor Bobby, and he's going to be here next week. I'm really excited. I haven't seen him in a while. I miss him. I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm giving you all a gift every time he comes. And actually, you unwrap him, and you don't know actually what it's really going to look like because it's just, it's just awesome. It's just a different flavor of the Holy Ghost every time. I love it. But he had this, he had this person that was in his church. Now imagine this, was in his church. Now for me, I, I guess I'd do things a little bit different. <laughs> I'd probably say, get out of here and don't come back. But maybe I'm, I need to learn some things. But this person... They kept threatening to kill him. This is God's honest truth. They kept threatening to kill him. They would show up and they would say, I'm going to kill you. And he'd say, no, no, you're not going to kill me. I mean, imagine, put yourself in the shoes. This is not an exaggeration. It's not a lie. I'm telling you exactly, exactly what happened. They would say, I'm going to kill you. And they kept doing this for a while. And finally, he just kept loving them. I'm sure he didn't put him in a position in the church or anything, but he kept loving them. And finally, they came and they said, Pastor Bobby, I've really done some wrong things. And I'm like, yeah, duh. <laughs> and I need, I need you to forgive me. He said, I can't do that. And they said, what? You, you have to. He said, no, I can't do that. And the, they said, well, why not? He said, I already did a long time ago. He said, what you've been doing to me doesn't have any effect on how I'm going to treat you. Man, I heard when he told me that story, I stuck that in my pocket and I thought, God, that's what I want. I want to be like that. To where it doesn't matter what they do to me. It doesn't affect how I treat them. Because my love doesn't come from them. It comes from the Father. I've got the realest, truest, purest, greatest kind of love that has nothing to do with how people treat me because that's exactly how Jesus treated other people. Man, that's awesome. Let's jump down to the next thing. 
Keep a heavenly perspective. So flesh says to look at the problem when people are pressing in on you, when persecution is coming. Flesh says look at the problem, but the Bible says keep a heavenly perspective. Romans 8 and 18. I love this. Jesus, help me. I could preach on this forever, but Romans 8, 18, I'm going to mention it quickly. Here we go. It says, consider, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time, and it doesn't matter what the sufferings are. It doesn't matter what the sufferings are. Whatever they are, Paul Go and compare, if you're, if you're feeling down on yourself sometime, go and read about Paul's life, the things that he went through. You'll feel really good when you read about what he went through. He was a scum of the earth, and he was whipped and beaten and left for dead and beaten with rods and perils of fire and perils of water. He fasted. He was in hunger. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. Anybody in here got a, got a list of things like that? I didn't think so. So he says, same guy, for I consider that the present sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Man, you talk about perspective. That's somebody that says, look, everything in my life is being trashed, but I don't give a rip because I know the glory that's in me, that's in us is going to be revealed. And that's the thing that I want to keep my eyes on. Look here in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, and we're going to read this from the Passion Translation. I believe we've got that plugged in here. So we're going to look here in the Passion Translation. If you don't have it, you can look up here on the screen, Philippians 1 and 12. He says, I want you to know, dear ones, what has happened to me has not hindered but helped my ministry of preaching the gospel, causing it to expand and spread to many people. Think about this. Now, I, I, don't, I can't personally testify to this and say, hey, what's happened to me has caused the gospel to, to expand. But look at the heart and the attitude that he has here. It's totally a heavenly perspective. It's totally like all about Jesus and all about the gospel. Let's go to verse 13. It says, for now the elite Roman guards and government officials overseeing my imprisonment have plainly recognized that I am here because of my love for the anointed one. Wow! It blows my mind. Next verse. And what I'm going through has actually caused many believers to become even more courageous in the Lord and to be bold and passionate to preach the word of God all because of my chains. Talk about heavenly perspective. Man, that's powerful. Look here in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 33. I think you're soaking it in is what you're doing. Because I, I think we should shout amen to that. But then I think you're just soaking it in. Man. Look here in Hebrews 10 and 33. 33 and 34. It says, partly, while you were made a spectacle both of repro reproaches and tribulations, and partly while you became companions of those who were so treated... For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Knowing that you have a better and enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. Look at what he says there. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Whoa. Heart check. Think about all the stuff that you've got. Line it all up and imagine all of your physical, natural things, your vehicle, your home, and, and in many of these cases, their families. Imagine all of your stuff being totally destroyed 
And yet, you had joy in the plundering of all of your goods. Being honest with ourselves, could we say, I am there? I have to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't know that too many people that I know of are there. I'll include myself in that. But I think that that's a really good thing to aim for. When it comes down to it, everything we've got here is, we're not taking it with us anyways. It's all just used as a tool. We might enjoy some things. Praise God, we got a new vehicle. We really enjoy that new vehicle. But fix a couple things on it. But anyways, it wasn't new, new. It was just new to us. But I even, when I was having to fix some stuff on it, it was like, man, I bought a new car and I have to put a little money into it. And then I thought, who gives a rip? I mean, if the whole engine blows up and the transmission falls out and it crumbles to pieces, so what? This chunk of metal with some rubber and some vinyl. Expensive, but so what? It's just stuff. What if they come and torch my home? I'm going to have a better one in heaven anyways. It's no problem. I'm not saying you don't care about your stuff, but what I'm saying compared to the gospel, there's no comparison to the gospel. Hallelujah. I want to read that verse again. It's just too good. It's just too amazing. We, we read through things and we don't stop. For you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. When I read that, I thought... Oh my gosh. We're being tested right now, not by God, but we're enduring tests. How we respond to things going on right now will tell us where we're at. If we are so disheartened and destroyed and defeated and depressed and whatever because of this, that, or the other, man, we need to rethink what our perspective, what our perspective is like, what we're looking at, what we're focusing on. Amen. Let me give you the last one here. Endure until the end. The flesh would say to quit, but God says endure to the end. So many verses on this. Look here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. It says, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and apostles will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He says, you must continue. You must continue in the things that you've learned. And if you want to couple that with Hebrews chapter 12, where he talks about running the race that is set before you with endurance. We are called and we are supposed to be of the caliber that we don't quit. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, our biggest challenge in life whether you're talking about ministry or just dealing with the things of life, whatever it is, our biggest challenge is the challenge of not wanting to quit. That's why he gives the analogy there. Let's, can we pull up Romans chapter 12, verses probably one through three, somewhere around there, Romans 12, one through three, and we'll finish with this. And this is why he uses the analogy of running a race because anybody in here ever run before? And you had, you know, you were going for three miles or five miles or 10 miles or whatever you were going for. And you were having to push yourself. What was the easiest thing to do when you were pushing yourself? It's to quit. I'm going to show you this straight from the word. Do we have that Hebrews chapter 12? There we go. Verse 1, it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Nope, nope, nope. 
That's Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I did say Hebrews, didn't I? Oh, Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. My apologies. This is awesome. You did a fine job, sir. I just misspoke. Is this pretty good stuff? Yeah. Amen. I just want everybody to see this. We can look at this together. So Hebrews 12 and 1. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that's talking about all the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 saying, there's so many of them that have gone on before us and they remained in faith. They didn't quit. Since that's our example, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let us lay aside, no, go back. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Picture this, you're running. He talks about weight and not sin. He talks about the sin. What's the sin? It's quitting, wanting to quit. That is the, if you want to call it a sin, that is the sin when you're running is to quit because you have a goal, you, have, you might even have a time, you've got something you're shooting for, and the, easy, the easiest thing to do, the sin which so easily ensnares us, what is it? It's just quitting. Because people of faith, because we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that was the heroes of faith in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, not Romans chapter 11, but Hebrews chapter 11. The heroes of faith, what made them heroes of faith was not their perfection. Actually, some of the biggest scoundrels were, if you go back and look, in the heroes of faith, Rahab the harlot was in the heroes of faith and many others. Why? Because they didn't quit. They stayed their course all the way until the very end. But it says, let us lay aside not only the sin which so easily ensnares us, but the weight. Sometimes we carry things that drag us down and make it harder for us to run. Jesus said, take my burden upon you for my burden is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you for it's easy and it's light. There's a, there's a weight we carry in Jesus, a responsibility and a stick to but if we're really trusting in him, it's an easy race to run. But what, what gets difficult is when we take all of the distractions, all of the issues, all of the problems that life has to offer, all of the speculation in our mind, all of the torment in our mind, all of the fear, the depression, all of the things that the enemy brings towards us, the shame, everything you could think of that he would try to throw at us, those things become a weight, and if we're not care, careful, they will slow us down and ultimately causes to commit the, the major sin, which is quitting on the race God's called us to. And I'm not talking about heaven and hell issue. I'm just talking about finishing strong. Because when persecution comes at you, when heavy things come at you, the thing you will want to do most easily, and there's, I think I could safely say that there's probably not a person in this room that understands this maybe more than me. I don't know, but I understand this really well that God tells you to do something and you go to do it and it seems like it just doesn't work like you think it should work and you have these pressures and the very first thing that comes to your mind is just quit. Just quit. This is too hard. It's too difficult. 
But God didn't put his spirit on the inside of us because things were going to be easy. He put his spirit on the inside of us because we have challenges that we will have to face, that we have to rely on him in order to overcome those obstacles, in order to even get rid of the weight. We don't know how to get rid of the weight on our own. We have to have the help of the Holy Ghost to do it so we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. Run with endurance. Not just run, but run with endurance. Run with the ability that comes from God. To be able to do it, to be able to do it strong, have longevity and finish all the way, get all the way to the very end and not quit. So you can get to the end of your life and you don't have to have any regrets. If there's one, there's one fear that I have that I think is a healthy fear, it's the fear of getting to the end of my life and regretting that I didn't take my days and purpose them for the Lord. I didn't purpose them to just say, God, I'm just going to do it. For pastoring a church, sometimes what's in me is what's in me is so big. It is it is so big the vision that I have on the inside of me. Some of it I'm I'm not free to articulate. Some of it I don't even know how to articulate. And then sometimes when when I, I look around and I think God and I'm so thankful and I'm not despising the day of small beginnings, but when I look at where we're at and where God wants me to go, it can be discouraging just looking at what we have left to do. That's when I have to go back and say I'm going to cast off that weight. And if God says we're going to go there, we're going to go there. And even if we never got there, I'm still going to press in and and do what God's saying all the way to the very end, because that's the caliber of person that I am. That's the caliber of person that Jesus is. And the mind that he had in him, I have also in me, that I'll go all the way to the very bitter end, following him, serving him, preaching him, leading the, the way that he's called me to lead, doing the things that he's called me to do in the face of anybody that would say, We're not with, I'm not with you, I, I, don't, I don't believe in you, I'm not going to join arms or lock arms with you, I'm going to go all the way anyways. Liz and I made this decision that if everybody left us, we're going to do what God's telling us to do anyways. I know you won't, but we have that commitment in our heart that we are going for it and we're not quitting, we're not giving up, we're not looking back, we're not going to be dismayed or discouraged we're going to stick all the way to the very end. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand and let me bless you? Thank you, Lord. Father, I bless these saints. God, I thank you that they have what it takes to walk in love, to keep a heavenly perspective, and God, to finish their course strong all the way to the very end. Thank you that they won't be discouraged, they won't be defeated, that they won't be offended, that God, the level of love that we walk in is groundbreaking. We will not be a statistic. None of these people are going to be a statistic. They get sideswiped by the enemy and get into offense and hurt. And woe is me. And before you know it, they're straight out of the family of God. Not because of any other reason that the enemy took them out through offense. They will not be a statistic. And I thank you that this church will not be a statistic. The only statistic we're going to be is is a people that persevered and pioneered and spoke the word of the Lord, that declared the word of the Lord, that stuck with it, that hung in there. And when we get through the thing and when we keep going, people are going to look and say, they've got something going on there. And we're going to be able to just say, you know what? We've just learned to follow Jesus and trust in Jesus. And we don't count our own life, dear. As a matter of fact, they've even plundered some of our goods at times, but they plundered it and we had joy in our heart anyways because our sights are set on heaven. Our sights are set on Jesus. Father, I bless these saints. I thank you that they have robust faith. 
that's been girded up by the Holy Ghost, that the, that the loins of their mind are girded up. That they're not, they're not weak people. They're people full of the fire of God, full of the anointing of God, full of the glory of God. And I thank you that we'll continue from here until kingdom come to prophesy what you say Even if we don't see it, we're going to say it anyways. That's why we prophesy it. I thank you that these saints are full of the fire of God. They are full of the anointing of God. And they are full of the glory of God. They are glory carriers. We're not glory seekers. We're glory carriers because you've already given us the glory. You've already given us the full measure. You've already given us everything. That God, we will press in and we will continue walking in full force with the fullness of what you've given us in Christ Jesus. And we'll never quit and never give up. Everybody say this with me. I will never quit. I will never give up. Because Jesus didn't give up on me. And that is how he made me. Not a quicker, a quitter. Or a quicker. Okay, I'm done. Amen. If God is changing your life through this ministry... Join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we're making a difference, visit ociperryville.com.